So I, I actually never started explained... getting hungry for like, <clears throat> well, I don't know what she, maybe she's just hungry for pork. Oh, I think oatmeal. Porridge? Yeah, I was thinking applesauce. Because I feel like I that's how you could eat sauce. oatmeal. Because that sounds like a sound that you'd make while you were like eating applesauce or like just, just something goopy. So I'm kind of in agreement. I think it's a little different than nom nom nom. Yeah, it's, it's not that. No, it's, it's just, mum, 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 mum. And, then, and like, that's just like, you're, the, the lips are barely parting as they're, do, as she's doing it. And then, like, the spoon just kind of slowly wedges its way into the lips while she's doing, um, 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 um. Yeah, it's just like, she just sees like, maybe like a toy she wants to play with when she's little. Do, wait, did we say who we're talking about? No, we're talking about our little sister, Alex. Yeah, when she was a baby, like, I don't think this ever actually even happened either, but I feel like we just saw, no, it didn't. we were going through some scrapbook that our mom made, and we saw a picture of her, and it just looked like she was probably in that moment, not smiling for the camera, but rather just saying, um, 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 um. <laughs> I, no, Probably I think because was she was interested her... by the camera. She wanted the camera, and so her desire for she, the camera caused. She hit the um, 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 um age kind of thing, like, she was like one... She was, it was like her year one, like, or like maybe six months to like two years old, somewhere in that time frame, there were a ton of pictures where her lips were always pursed in a way that made her look. Yeah, um, that's um, a, um, okay. Um, yeah, um, that's um, I, I, do, I know there's some reason we thought she must be saying, um, 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 um. Maybe just because we're the stupid alternative, we like I guess, was that she was just going, <laughs> Okay, yeah, uh, sounds kind of like the uh, diver guy on the G.I. Joe <laughs> public okay, It's really cold out here. <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs> I love how we've referenced uh, Fensler film G.I. Joe's twice now in our podcasts. Oh, yeah, we did that. Uh, and then we'll probably end up doing it a lot. Because yeah. those, those are, uh, those are, 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 those very Anyways, nice. this is Garrett, also known as Gellister, and... Tandir. I always do it in reverse order of you. I've noticed that pretty much every <laughs> episode. I say my I say my Xbox handle first, and then my name. Um, I'll try it your way. My name's Tanner, a.k.a. Tandir. All right. And yeah, this I is Super Bar... I like that. Oh, you, you cut me off. You <laughs> cut me off, my lad. That's what I'm here for. Anyways, this is Super Bargain Brothers 64 with, with a the dollar sign. And you had quite the delay on that one. You didn't compensate as well. I think you compensated yeah, really well. I never the know how these turn. I'm going to have to pay attention to it when I listen to this one. It might also how... be Skype. You never know. You never know. Um, but this is Party Chat, the second episode. Um, Party Chat is the side series where it's a little bit more just kind of focused on discussing things that the hosts want to talk about instead of um, focused around kind of like a specific topic to kind of filter the discussion. So 
let's uh, move into it. Um, I already actually went over a lot of this, so I'm mostly going to be interviewing you now, Tanner. So I hope you don't Fine feel too awkward with that. No, but I love interviews. We, for the I interview thir- regularly, for the third for the and hopefully last time, I have to ask you the origin of your nickname. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's become just, a mainstay just the most of this whole way. podcast. I think we need to probably just continue to ask me where my nick came, nickname came from. Because <laughs> honestly, how can how can you honestly have have selected your nickname? Based off of what you selected your nickname off of. It's just so ridiculous. I know. It's like, just can't people possibly... can't get enough of the story. <laughs> By people, you mean me, apparently? Because I was like, <laughs> well, tell I'm me the sure story of how our, you got your nickname again. <laughs> listeners will just be eating it up as well. And I will Is tell the you... story as many times as demanded. <laughs> Is it, yeah. <laughs> And then when your grandkids are older, you're just going to be like, well, when I was at the tender age of 17. I don't remember much, but I do remember Tandy, who was me. (laughs) I remember I existed back then. (laughs) Grandpa, you haven't told this story enough. We expect to hear it every time we come to visit. Did I ever tell you how I met your grandmother? She once told me, she said, you know, I'm pretty coordinated. <laughs> True story. I'm sorry. That's the official story, isn't that right? That's not how I met her, but she did say she was pretty coordinated. <laughs> I really got to hope Kylie just comes storming impressed. and is like, no! She'll, giving... she'll forever hate that story because she insists I've blown it out of proportion. And now it's so far in memory that who knows what's really well, true anymore. Memories it's change It's one of those things time. you've kind of like altered history. Yeah, I like the, the altered victor. history though. It's funny. It's not like, like I'm not doubting that that possibly happened. I just like the fact that um, like she, she fights it so vehemently. I know. I think that's mostly the reason why everyone likes it. She's like, no. But it sounds like something she might just say offhandedly. I don't know if she, like, I think she interprets it as you, as her, like, stopping you and, like, stopping the entire conversation and everybody listening to her and saying, and then her saying, you know, I'm pretty coordinated. <laughs> but I think it might <laughs> wait, have been Wait, wait, just- wait, everybody, hey, hey, okay, okay. I understand that there's an important family matter going on right now, but that's not what's important. Everyone just stop. <laughs> I just wanted to say one thing. You know. You know, I'm pretty coordinated. <laughs> I just wanted to get that out there. <laughs> and then, um, I don't... We don't... Uh, <laughs> what? We don't... <laughs> we don't start out slow clap. We start out at a very high tempo clap and then speed it up to an even more high tempo clap. Slow claps are for losers. So, Tanner, what is the story behind your nickname? No. I love a good slow clap. All right, sorry. Okay, well, let me get started here. Um, all right. So, my nickname comes from a little-known TV series. No offense to people who think that think it's not little-known, that it's actually well-known. I don't. You're wrong. I don't really think that's but... the case. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, on Comedy Central, a long time ago, there was a made-for-adults cartoon called Drawn Together. And it was about 
superheroes or something or I don't know. It's supposed and to be they, like the real world. They were with living in a house together. If I remember and there was a there was a gay elf named Xandir. <laughs> and so if you just exchange the X for a T, you have something that's sort of similar to Tanner. Tandir. And as if you didn't have enough nicknames by that point, you just like... Oh, I know. The, you just, the thing was, I was in a band back then, and so my bandmates were all, like, my best friends. Still so, still are to this day good friends, but that just spawned... We were so into nicknames, and that just spawned... I think everybody had an Andier nickname. Well, yeah, and that's why I came, like, to, I came up with Gellister, was because I wanted to emulate you guys, because we were all putting those nicknames on our uh, Halo profiles on Xbox. Yeah, you get. So I've been Tandir for a long time. I think I was, I was Tandir on the regular Xbox, like the original Xbox Live. Uh huh. So I wonder if that profile still exists in some kind of ethos out there. I don't understand why the profile didn't roll forward to Xbox 360 because obviously your Xbox 360 like Xbox Live profile is going to roll forward to the new one, right? Yeah, but it might also be that if it li- sits latent for too long, they open it up because they already have such a lacking. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't really know if it's even really a roll forward thing. It's more just like that's your profile information and it just communicates with whatever apparatus you have. No, 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 maybe. Um, all he knows is that cloud. they have It's the cloud. Everyone knows how the cloud works. Yeah, but the thing is, back then, they didn't really have, like, unified systems. Xbox Live was yeah, the first the kind of kind unified of system that ever started coming yeah. out. And I don't think they yeah. had it completely perfected until they came out with the 360. That was when they are just like, we're going to make this integral to everything that happens with Xbox. Yeah. And then they tried to extend it to PC, and it didn't work, but they're trying to do that again now um, with uh, Windows 10. With all the lessons they learned from the first time around. Well, the the lessons learned from the, the first time around is don't give it a half-butted support because Games for Windows Live was terrible. Most, like, I'm not saying it's the worst thing ever. I felt like it had the potential to be okay, but they just didn't really fully commit. They they only put half their butt into it, you know? And You know, and I think that's probably true because I have never even heard of any of this stuff and wasn't aware it even was a thing. Yeah, so. it was Xbox Live on computers, basically. Poor marketing as well. But because they were pushing their Xbox 360 so hard, they never got around to really pushing the fact that they also had a PC gaming marketplace. And so Steam and all those other things just kind of swept the rug out from underneath it. But now that they're getting back to it, because with Windows 10, they're basically saying, what we're going to do is we're going to try and make it so that all um, Windows 10 and Xbox One games are cross-platform playable. So you can play with people online on PC and vice versa, although I don't know how that's going to match up. Also, you're going to be able to stream Xbox One games onto the PC, so you might as well have the unified platform on top of there as well. So You know, if if they ever successfully do that, it'll finally like kind of answer the age-old question of like, what's the best controller? It's like... They could probably at that point start to do studies like, oh, the PC gamers always have the edge over the people with a, well, you know. Here's the thing is like, like that. Or, or vice versa or whatever. It's like, what's the best way to control your game? That's the biggest problem that I foresee coming is if they start doing that, um, they're going to need to make it so that Xbox One has um mouse and keyboard support. And like 
on top of that, like it's like okay, so you you have a, a mouse and keyboard connected to your Xbox, well you get to play with all the PC players who have mouses and keyboards, and any PC players who for whatever reason decide that they want to play with a uh, controller instead, um, would like get put in separate lobbies because the only thing that I can foresee that happening is a lot of console gamers realizing they can't kill as fast as they think they can. So you think you think that the keyboard and mouse oh, combo is Oh, for precision the... aiming, like in a in a first person shooter competitive atmosphere, absolutely. But you just point your mouse at him? Well, the thing is, it's just like it's just like think about it in this in this terms instead of like having to turn your It's like Instead of having to wait for a period of time, you can actually control the entire let's spin. Just do, let's just do this in the terms it's of like, like navigating no, something I, I, across I, it's the like, screen. So you've got a joystick and you put it in the full right position and you then and the only thing you have control over is how much time it takes for you to spin once you've done it's that. It's an accelerometer mouse, you can actually one to one precisely turn. control the entire spin by how much you decide to move the mouse. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so that's the thing is like in some ways, it's superior on consoles because if you're if you're doing like a sweeping turn to just try and scan, you're less likely to pass over a visual, like a, a visual cue of some sort, like mm-hmm. because you're not jol- doing a, as jolty of movements. But at the same time, if you catch something on PC, you're more and and you've overturned, you're e- it's easier to go back to it. It's easier to go back, yeah. And like so, killing with like shotguns and in Titanfall is a lot easier for me on um, PC than it is on Xbox because if I'm running down a hall and I see somebody, I don't have to try and round the corner to like get time to turn around and get to them. I literally just jolt and shoot, and that's yep. That's the difference there is it becomes much more twitchy. Joystick sensitivity is a non-issue, and so. I just don't see that being a good method of going about it. Yeah, it seems like a kind of an unfair edge for people who are. Which is why I'm saying they need to add if they don't mouse. already have it, they need to add keyboard support and mouse support, and then probably divide the servers based on what hardware they detect that you're. Um, uh, I think that's fair. Putting. Like it could like you'd really alienate the people who just like for whatever reason aren't PC gamers and just play on consoles with the regular handheld controls. Well, and that's the thing is like it would appeal to both because if you have a um system where it determines your heart what hardware you have connected and then just like goes based off of that, it'd be really handy because then like I mean even PC gamers who say they're more comfortable with uh with console like with with controllers if they have a controller connected, an Xbox One controller, they could just say, "Hey, I just want to play with other Xbox players even though I'm on PC." Because that's what I'm used to, and so that I feel like that yeah. would be the best merging of it is like because I already know that that Steam has hardware detection settings, so it's not impossible to think that a corporation like Microsoft, which is like tons and tons bigger, um, like not oh yeah, that no, you could that, for sure like, they, you could for sure build into the to the game infrastructure a recognition of the controller. Man, we got off again, but. Anyways, I guess what we'll do right now is we're gonna we're just gonna do what we normally do, which is we're gonna talk about what we're playing, because that was kind of part of the introductions for for you is also what your name. But let's talk about what we're playing right now. So, what are you playing? It's been a it's been a real dry spell for me. Um, you just got through with tax I guess like, season, right? Uh, I don't actually work on taxes, oh, gosh, but my, d- Dad told me about this. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> No, but I, I've I've already accepted that everybody thinks accountants work on taxes. So well, it's you're fine. an auditor. That's um, a little bit different. 
No, it, it's completely different, but you know, by a little bit, I mean completely. That's cool. <laughs> Good. Yeah, I'm not going to start a grassroots activism campaign to make people sensitive to that difference. So, well, the thing is, but, like, you were you've got an accountant degree, so everybody just can't think you're an accountant, even if you were. Well, I did have to, and I did have to meet certain criteria of tax knowledge to get licensed, but. You know, that's not the focus of where I do my work every day, so. Uh, uh, not to say that your job is, like, the worst thing on the planet. I'm just like, we're a gaming podcast. Now come listen to I, us discuss no, I, know. I, I was trying to avoid going into <laughs> it sorry, because we've just... now lost all listeners. No, no, no. I'm it's sorry. just like. For anyone who's still here. It's informative. I appreciate your vote of confidence. We will get back on track. So that's basically why you're not playing that many games. So that's yeah. Where we so got that's the long. That's the long of the short. Um, <laughs> had a little bit of a dry spell there, but I'll go ahead and head up. I'll, I'll take even though that you were playing this with me too. I'll just take it so I have something to say. I most recently played Gears of War Judgment co-op Frabaganza. Oh really? Wait. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I was there for that though. <laughs> Yeah, you were there for that. Yeah, we, but you've probably played so many games that you're kind of like, wow, that was that so was, long yeah, ago. That, I don't that was even so that last happening. week, quite literally. The Chainsaw Thon. Oh, man. Okay, so the, the uh, Gears of War Chainsaw Massacre was like probably <laughs> one of the most enjoyable singular was, experiences. I laughed till I went hoarse. I was hoarse afterwards. Go ahead, though. Oh, my gosh. It was great. I just, whoever made the decision to allow people to chainsaw the same enemy at the same time activate as the same someone enemy. else that was i don't even it seems like something that could have just easily been like oh yeah we can do that that's not a big deal we, we'll allow that to happen i don't think it was like this conscious decision like this will make it better but it really did it's just like it's just so ridiculous when all three of us were just like waylaying the same guy. It's just like <laughs> one chainsaw to the face isn't enough. Let's get <laughs> just, this party well, started. I was, <laughs> I was discussing this with Nathan. The fact that when you're like chainsawing them and then another person comes up and activates the animation and then another person, it's just, a, it's just a, it looks like you're all just sawing a pile of blood. Like, it, like the, 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 the monster like gets completely obscured by the time they're all finished. <laughs> It's just like we're gonna oh, make so we're gonna make some that... we're gonna make some wretch hamburger meat. Oh. <laughs> Seriously, it's so funny. It's just like because you're like kind of like when it goes into the animation, it kind of zooms in, so you're gonna get a close up of all the gore. So you just see like five guys you, just kind of hunching see, like... over. Like it just seems like there's this crowd of people just hunching over as they just chainsaw their way down. It's like here you cut off you cut off the left portion of his head. I'll cut straight down the middle, <laughs> and you cut down the right portion of his head. It's just like, it's hard to describe unless you've actually played it for the audience's sake. I'm just going to say that. But for, it's just, I just love the way the camera comes in. Cause it's almost like oh, the yeah. camera's just it's like, like, perfect. like, like trying to, uh, like not even like highlighting just you and the animation, even though that's what it's designed to do, but more just like, look at these three guys taking <laughs> down this wretch. You know? The chainsaw guys. <laughs> I mean, the best part of that too is we put on one of those little challenge things where we basically had no bullets. So like, that's how we we discovered it. It's like, we had no ammunition. So it's like, I guess we'll just go on a chainsaw massacre. (laughs) And the other thing about it was, (laughs) Tanner, you're, you're saying you're like, I'm glad they designed it to do that. I think it was actually that they forgot to design it not to do that. Like, I know that's what I'm saying. No, I, that, that's what I meant. I don't, I feel like. May, if anyone did notice, even if they did, they're just like, oh, that just that's makes not it a better. Deal. Just let it be. 
They're just like, but, hey, I just noticed that like yeah. multiple multiple players could chainsaw the same target at the same time. Ah, that's not going to ruin the game. Just let it go. So little did they know the quality <laughs> it would bring. Here's the, here's the thing about that, it's, Tanner. It, um, now that we're yeah. bringing up the game, let's get to a little bit more like opinions on it, not just like funny things that we did, because. Nathan and I cited a different story, which was actually a lot of fun to, to mention, but we both kind of came to the consensus that out of all three Gears of War games that Nathan and I have been playing together, that was the most fun we had, even though that's the least amount of time we've spent on a game. Like, what's your opinion on Gears of War Judgment as compared to, like, your experience with the rest of the series? I think it, I think it's great. Like, I mean, it plays... Like, I've only ever played through the original Gears of War... And you I played, played a little two bit of Gears of War too. Um, go ahead. And so, but it plays like the same. I mean, I I could see how like if you've been playing all the games, it, you might like complain that it's just like too much the same. Mm. But for me, having only Here's played one other game and it was a long time That's ago, that's actually it was the like complaint, a, a, Tanner. Huh? It's not that. It's not that the 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 complaint is not that the game is too similar. It's that people are like it's not Gears. It's too different. That's what most yeah, people Yeah, see, I didn't feel about. that way at all. I felt like a lot of the mechanics are the same as they have been. It's felt familiar, but it's like all the stuff I loved about the original game is there. I mean, and there's new enemies. The, the that game does play differently from the rest of the Gears series because you'll notice and and this was kind of funny because we were all pointing out that it's like, "Oh, look, Tanner spent the most amount of time in cover." But that's actually an accomplishment in that game. <laughs> in Gears of War like 1 through 3, it's always designed that, like, you're supposed to just be like, oh, most of the enemies you're fighting have guns. So you're going to be spending a lot of time in cover. In this, they throw guys with guns and swords at you. But, like, the thing is, the swords chase you down. The wretches chase you down. There's a ton of stuff in that game to chase you down to make you have to get out of cover and move more smartly. Like, more, cle- you have to be more clever about <laughs> using corners. That didn't stop me from being undercover. I know, but what I'm saying is, like, that's that's the thing about this game, is it's so different from Gears, and I agree with it, but in, like, a good way. It's like, you can still do what you normally do in Gears in certain sections, but they've completely changed the way the game functions just by putting in a couple different features. It's kind of like with um Halo 3 ODST versus regular Halo 3. They make the game in Halo 3 ODST more like certain sections of the game are supposed to be like more stealthy, like you're just kind of creeping around a city by yourself at night. And so you don't have anybody to really back you up. And so it's just you against a ton of enemies unless you're willing to try and sneak past. And it's just this open setting that you just kind of try to work your way through by looking at a map and kind of figuring things out. It's so different even though the gameplay elements and like all the buttons and stuff are almost the exact same it feels feels familiar it feels familiar but it's like they're using a fiddle to play a completely different melody you know and that's that's yeah. how i feel it. like they're playing a completely different tune in gears of war judgment even though it's still distinctly gears you know it's it still feels like gears yeah, i can of see war, that yeah it, it is different it's like a completely different flavor of the same thing and it's amazing yeah i agree it's my favorite gears game i've played so far yeah, well, I, I agree. Like, it's it's really fun. And, like, yeah, I do like the new element that they, like, you know, it's not just, like, these kind of firefights between, you know, stuff stuff will actually come after you, which does add an interesting dynamic, makes you, like, less able to just sit undercover <laughs> the, the whole time. The sword like, guys in the, the, in, the, in the musty, dusty, like, arena oh, thing yeah. where, like... <laughs> the low visibility challenges. 
<laughs> they just come. They just come. Why do they run like ducks? I know, like, and they're just like, no, like, they're, they're like, they're like, they're like ducks that can run really fast and have taken a, a an entire pound of crack. That's how they run. Yeah, out here. seriously, they it's run just, like idiots. It's like way it's like too- if I don't keep my knees basically rubbing against each other the whole time, my attack's going to completely fail. That, that, Wide like, knees are a sure way to go down early. That's another thing that, like, I feel like in that game, that was a negligence in design that somehow made it more entertaining. Is <laughs> like added they're value. like No, I think it was probably another thing. Like, probably someone was just like, that looks like a very awkward gait for them. And the guy's just like, whatever. Just leave it. Just leave it. Yeah, exactly. It just makes the game more entertaining. I, I was gonna go into, but I was gonna, I was thinking about doing a Professor Buck. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. And I was like, uh-huh. but you refrained. I, I noticed. You, you noticed I heard, that. You, I heard you the desire. That. The yeah, desire. I heard it kind of trending in that direction and then ultimately not getting there. Well, the thing is, no, I, I just think don't the do bags were a great addition, mostly for, for the purpose of me being able to call them do bags. <laughs> All I can say though is like the micro level system. Like, that's what I call it, where it's like you just do a firefight and then move on to the next thing. I, like, I've heard a lot of complaints about that. It's like, it's not like these grand, like, sweeping levels and stuff like that. It's like, no, it's just another, it's just another take on a checkpoint system that has, like, analytics and stuff put into it in the middle of the level. Like, you're still playing through a chapter. It's just that the chapter's broken up like it always has been. It's just that it has a a finite ending that it shows you at every checkpoint instead of you just randomly dying and then figuring out where Yeah, it's it's like, oh, I wonder how far back I'll be sent. And, like, I don't know why that would tick people off. To me, I like it better because it allows them to add more variety to the skirmishes because they're like, okay, you got done with that. Now we're going to add another, like, every single mission has a declassified, so you never know what you're hitting next. Yeah. And on top of that, they have that smart spawn system, as they call it, where it's like they it gives you random enemies every time. You have a different chance of what kind of enemies. Yeah, there's like a few different sets. So you you literally have to play on your feet in this game, as opposed to like Gears of War, where it's just like, okay, I'm gonna go around. Like literally, I think I've played every time I play through a section of Gears of War and I'm dying multiple times. I play the section the same way and just try to perfect my execution. Yeah. But this game actually forces me to change my tactics on the fly. And I think that's what makes it so much more interesting and challenging is the fact that it's like the smart spawn system literally is like, am I going to be facing maulers or am I going to be facing beast riders this time? Because depending, I'm going to have to do something Beast riders, aka different. do-bags. The do-bags. <laughs> I forget that's what you call them. I was like, do-bags. I don't remember what that do refers to. You would always call them out. Um... And it's then, a little faster to say than Beast Riders. So that's all you've been, you've played recently. Yeah, I may have inched my way forward a little bit on Tomb Raider. TR, I'm not still too far from the end. I'm in the last act. Okay, so where are you at right now? Like, I'm, I haven't even be gone fake. up river yet. I'm supposed to go up river and probably oh, end up I... fighting those big scary things I already saw, but um. Yeah, I'm not there yet. I haven't even started up the river yet. I'm still kind of cru- cruising around the beach, gathering whatever I need. I just got done go with the river. temple where you save Sam, and then something happens. <laughs> oh, I, not, not to not. To oh wait, so things. you're not even that, caught up to me yet? No, I'm not caught up to you. The thing is, I've only oh, played. I assumed you sessions. finished it because I I thought you had said that we were all aiming to finish it. Yeah, by yeah, the yeah. Day. But that's going to be a discussion because you see, I'm trying to set a precedent for what kind of episodes we can have. 
which is why I'm kind of like switching what kind of topics we're doing every single time to be something very different. It's like we did a genre discussion before that, bef the the time like before this time, before um that time we did uh we did like a look back at 2014 and 15. I'm just trying to set a precedent for what kind of topics we're gonna cover with our episodes. So the next one is gonna you. be a a video game focused podcast where we focus on a single game and then talk about uh, the game and then other things that just kind of naturally expand from that, whether it just be like obviously talking about Uncharted and what we know about it or um, older games in the series. We don't know anything about it. It's oh, Uncharted. Oh, I play Uncharted. <laughs> oh, you're clever. Oh, 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 the kind oh. of joke only someone who hasn't played Uncharted would come up with because it's all he can contribute to the conversation. <laughs> So, in other words, Nathan's going to be making that same joke. You guys are going to be like, oh, 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 you, you, oh. <laughs> oh, oh, we've reached the maximum capacity of our usefulness to this conversation. <laughs> and then I'm just like, hehe, my time to monologue has come yet again. <laughs> <laughs> There's one or two every <laughs> I monologue so freaking much. I got, I got even worse on the first party chat because I was talking with Nathan about my opinions on why I hate the fact that people don't like the Mass Effect 3 ending and why I think it's unreasonable the way they expect it. Um, and then I got on a, a, a bender about the whole thing of why I, th why I get annoyed with the whole idea that people say that video games are, like, how, why video games have a weird stigma compared to other forms of media. Like, I just went off on, like, probably two five-minute rants on both of those things right in the middle of the podcast. And then I was just like... Where do we go from here? <laughs> hey, good monologue just now. Just joking. Gosh dang it, you're um, right. That's the problem. <laughs> you were right. I mean, you're technically you're right, but you're technically right. I just wanted to, I just wanted to get not. meta with it. Oh, you're so meta. Tanner, I so I also meta. want to point out something. You're so meta about everything that you've basically become our resident troll. You are like I was kind <laughs> I of like the troll. I was I'm the podcast troll. I was talking to um Dark Trolls, by the way. Um, I was talking to Nathan, and I was just kind of like, it's kind of funny. We all have this weird dynamic, and I'm trying to help Nathan find his footing. I kind of was telling him, it's like, you know, you're at your most endearing when you're you you're completely aware of your obliviousness, but you insist on trying to share what you can, anyways. Like, because like. Like when it's, we're playing Resident the, Evil, the, the funniest Nathan. things that he provides when we in the let's play of Resident Evil is anytime he's just like, "Go back and kill it," and it's like, and then I explain to him why that's not feasible. He's like, "We'll do it anyways," you know. Like it's just like his belligerence <laughs> of like just sticking to what he his course of action is is absolutely hilarious. And so I've been trying to encourage him get in that mindset when you're recording because that's kind of your persona. <laughs> um, and then I'm just a troll. And yeah, you're the resident troll, is what I've I'm come gonna to start, realize. When we record, I'm going to start wearing the troll mask. The, of the, no, that no, 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 Tanner. The Here's mean what you're drawing gonna do. troll mask. You, you're going to not piss on, on, on hospitality. <laughs> troll 2. <laughs> you don't, you don't piss, piss on, on hospitality. hospitality. What are you going to do? <laughs> I'm tightening my belt because you and my, mo my mom, <laughs> your, you your mom do, and my, your sister. Are you drown me for a month? No, I'm going to do something much worse. I'm going to tighten my belt by one belt loop. Because <laughs> I'm hungry. Oh, no, Dad. Oh, Such no. a great movie. Like, I haven't even watched the whole Tro thing. Troll 2, for like... all those who don't know. Oh, Troll 2. Watch it. 
It's it's brilliant because it was it's brilliant in the worst possible way. All right, so just to go through the other interview questions now. Favorite game system? Do you have a favorite game system that you can really track to? Just Xbox 360. No, I mean like overall, your favorite game system you've ever played. Do you mean like Yeah, it, okay, it's that. 360. Wow. <laughs> What? Nathan was like, we've all got very different opinions. Nathan was like, my PC, because it's like, it's his baby. That was the first thing he ever started playing games on. And I was like, PS2, because I'm an RPG fanatic. And so, therefore, like, that fed my addiction to the best possible way. I, I mean, it doesn't have to be Xbox 360. It's just, I think, maybe more That's the, the one you're most committed to. That you didn't necessarily ask is, what's, you know, what's been the best era of gaming so far? Oh, you like, f- you feel like it could have been any si- been. you know it could have been any system, but it's just the way that games are now. Like they're like they're a more viable form of media, so it's like more people are doing them. So there's more ideas. Like there's this whole indie game subgenre that comes uh-huh. up with like these wacky but fun ideas. It's just like that didn't really exist before because the only people making video games before were like companies, video you know? game companies. It's like how can we sell the most units possible? But now there's like indie gamers that are almost just making the game just because they want to, you know? It's like mm-hmm. it's like people wanting to buy it is almost an afterthought. Yeah, I got you. So the other so question... Like, oh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. You were going to... Well, yeah, it's just a too. more creative period. So it's like, you know, if this had already been going on, uh, you know, back way way when or whatever, <laughs> way way back when is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, go ahead. Um, yeah, you know, I would have liked, I probably would have looked at that time fondly, but I just feel like it just keeps getting better. So, yeah, I don't have an Xbox One, so I'm not going to say Xbox One, but it might be true. Well, mm. I don't know. I don't know if there's enough content yet, but I'm just saying it's like the whole the whole spectrum of gaming is just broadening, and I like that. So, I was just going to say that. If you had an Xbox One right now, you probably would still prefer the Xbox 360. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, just because there's just it hasn't, you know, it's it's still it's not in. The, I wouldn't say it's necessarily in the early adopter phase anymore, but it's still pretty early in its life cycle. So, and that's the beauty of budget gaming. You come in when the field is already completely rich and ready to harvest. Yeah, I still have not found an Xbox three Xbox One deal that was as good as my uh, PS4 deal. Like, I have not seen it go as cheap even on Cowboom. So, I just, I don't know. It's it's not really hit a good price point for one. And for two, it's like anything that I, I would drive me to get that system, with the exception of maybe Sunset Overdrive, is either completely replaceable on other systems or just doesn't function the way I'd want it to, like Master Chief Collection. So, yeah. I, there's just not much exclusive to it. The only reason I picked up the PS4 was for... You know, I, I, I've already gone over that. I've gone over that. And um, mm-hmm. that's the thing is, like, I don't consider, like, my favorite PlayStation system is still PlayStation 2, obviously. Um, But I prefer my PS3 to my PS4. I've been playing more Demon's Souls and stuff like that on it instead of playing, like, PS4. You know, it's just been kind of weird that way. It's like, I've got this new really nice console, and I play it occasionally to play, like, Final Fantasy Type-0 or... um. Final Fantasy 15's demo. I've played a little bit of Resident Evil on it. But it's not like I'm still hopping back and forth between it. It's just another option. It's not like the thing that I want to concentrate on, you know? And it's kind of weird because this has never happened before. Because when I got my 360, I was totally dedicated. 
when I got my PS3, I was dedicated for about two or three weeks. I haven't had that thing with PS4 yet, you know? Yeah, it's just early, you know? It's like they, like there's uh, there's probably a slew of brilliant games that will come out on PS4 that just haven't been made yet. Well, and they, they have a couple. Like, I mean, I got... Um, I know, but that's the thing. It's a couple. Yeah, it's a, just a handful compared to what's going to be available eventually. And, that, and yeah, that's, that's what you're that's trying to That's the beauty say. of budget gaming. Yeah. It's cheaper and everything great about it's already there when you come in. Exactly. Um, so, favorite game? We've already gone over this with you and me a thousand times, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch it up. On my podcast, I said... I said, okay, I had my favorite two-dimensional game, which was um, Super Mario Brothers, or Super Mario RPG, The Legend of the Seven Stars. And then my favorite overall 3D video game was Final Fantasy X. So what I'm going to ask you is, what was your, what is your favorite overall 3D video game that you've played? Because I feel like that's a good dividing line. Mm, favorite ever. That's a, that's a hard question. Here, here's some here's something that helped me think about it in a way that made it easier. Is like, what was my favorite overall video game experience, rather than just like my favorite game? Because that way I can look at it at it and of an analytic of what had the most to it. You know, like I felt like Final Fantasy X stacked up pretty well in the gameplay, narrative, graphics. Just like every department felt like it was good enough that I could say it's close to at least being my favorite 3D game ever, so I picked that. So, I hope that helps. You know, I've just played a lot of games. It's, like, hard to, like, go back and think through, like, what... I mean, I could spend I could spend 10 or 15 minutes just thinking about what was great about each of the games. It's, like, hard to say. It's, like, if I just have to shoot from the hip right now so that we don't have 15 minutes of silence, <laughs> I'm going to say Alan Wake. Alan Wake? Really? Yes. You think of it that highly. I know you, you talked to it, talked to me that about it. That game was bomb. I have no doubts about that. You know that's actually made by the guys who made Max Payne, right? Yeah, yeah, I did know that, and I've never played Max Payne, but... And the next thing that they're making, Remedy is making a game for the Xbox One exclusive. It's called Quantum Break, and it's actually going to have a tied-in TV show. It's about, like, it's about this guy with, like, time-bending superpowers, and, like, it's set in, like, a apocalyptic-slash-post-apocalyptic setting. And the graphics and everything look really cool, um, but the gameplay elements look extremely interesting, like being able to bend time and jet your character over to different covers using that time-bending technique. It just looks really interesting, and that's the thing that I've always found with um, Remedy, is that they know how to make really interesting third-person shooter games, like with really interesting gameplay mechanics thrown in. Yeah. so Seems I, to be their 4K. I, I'm looking at Quantum Break as possibly being another reason that Xbox One could be interesting soon. Even though, like, mm-hmm. only two weeks ago I had no interest in it whatsoever because I didn't know what it was. So, I don't know. I'll let you know how that looks, like, in the future because mm-hmm. I know you don't really concentrate on current stuff. So, I'll let you know if it's of interest, just like I'm going to let you know if Bloodborne's worth getting a PS4 for. <laughs> That's right, a PS44. <laughs> Man, yes, four four. Welcome to the year three thousand. <laughs> they they never got away from their just doing the next number. 
They're the ones that have been most consistent with that. PS44. In fact, I think they're the only ones that have really done that, you know? <laughs> uh, P- PS40. Uh, by the time they have PS44, it's going to be like a, a cerebral implant. Yeah, you're just like kind of walking around. You're just like, I'm bored. I'm gonna play PS44. You just like kind of switch it with your brain, and just you just start seeing. I'm pretending to work, even though I'm already done with all of my documentation. So I'm just gonna sit here and play PS4 in my brain. (laughs) PS44. PS44. Pardon me. Surgery starting at. (laughs) Surgery starting at twenty million dollars. Thank you, inflation. Yeah, but by that point, minimum wage will have been raised because of yeah, <laughs> to at least one million dollars a year. <laughs> the newest gaming system—you have to have a surgery to get it. Oh, that just sounds brutal. The medical, okay, so, the medical fields and the gaming fields have now collided. Tanner, nostalgic moments in gaming slash emotional responses that you've had to games that you've played. Hmm. It can just be okay. A, I got a one off the top of my head. Feeling. I felt this overwhelming rush of um, brotherly love when uh, Luigi finally rescued Mario in Luigi's Mansion. Oh yeah, I remember that. I I was actually like, okay. Yeah, you can go on about what that made you feel, and then I'll, I, I'd actually want to say something afterwards. But you go ahead. Okay? I just—it's just—it's the same reaction I've had to so many Mario games. I think it's just been—it's just a more out of habit than like you know. It's like just growing up. Every time I finish a Mario game, I get this nostalgic feeling, and I just wish Mario was real and he was my friend. <laughs> <laughs> See, Luigi for too, me... but yeah, like I don't know. I just thought it was like a nice moment. At the very end. Yeah. Like, Luigi was so For scared me, to go into the mansion, but he did it anyway because oh, it was see, important to him to save his brother. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing is, um, how do I put it? Like, I've always kind of related more to Luigi just because, and yes, it's part of it might also just be a stigma of the fact that I was always relegated to playing Luigi whenever we played <laughs> Mario games together back in I'm the day. I'm Mario. You're Luigi. But you also have to consider... Compared to like in comparison to our lifestyles, I'm the Luigi of our relationship. Yeah. I'm the younger brother. Even it though strikes I'm not a taller. family chord. I think that's why I always liked it. Like strike it strikes that nostalgic feeling of when we were like growing up. Yeah, and that's the thing, is just like I also relate to Luigi on somewhat of an emotional level. I am not the most confident of people. Luigi is kind of a scaredy cat, you mm-hmm. know? So like I think the thing that, like, really hit me with that moment was the fact that it's just, like, that was finally seeing just how much stress Luigi was going through, but how much more he cared about saving his his big brother, you know? It's just, like, he pushed through his worst fears yep. to save his older brother. And, I do, like, that's the thing about Mario games is I don't feel like they oftentimes have very much of an emotional response given with them. Mm-hmm. But... But that one did. I think the only other time I really had an emotional response to a non-RPG Mario video game would be Mario Galaxy during the last level when you're about to fight Bowser and it, like, starts getting really epic. Yeah. Like, like that was just like, oh, this is going down now. <laughs> yep. Like, that was one of the few times ever that's really happened to Mario just because it, ac- it felt like there was actual context to what you were doing. Yep. I agree. Um, and then they had a cutscene that kind of ruined it at the end where there's a crying child while they're scrolling dialogue for probably yeah. two straight minutes, <laughs> and I wanted to murder my TV. <laughs> Gosh dang it. Um, 
I guess one of the other moments that I can kind of point to. Uh, Final fan like RPGs have them a lot just because they're you're so involved in the story. It's yeah, like yeah, and that was the one I was all, I mentioned was uh, when you hit Fisherman's Horizon in Final Fantasy. Yeah, was the one yep. I mentioned. Very to, nostalgic uh, feel to Nathan. Um, but v- very think, like, very much due to the music as well. Just very good movie yeah, setting exactly. there. Um, um, I'm also, glad you recognized like, that Final as well. Fantasy Seven. Go ahead. When spoilers. What's her face dies. Oh, um, oh yeah. yeah. I'm I'm having a hard time. Spo- is this spoiler territory? I'm just gonna say spoilers. Um, when Eris. Oh dies. yeah, we're talking to budget gamers. Oh, People that that actually plays yet. Yeah. Okay. I don't just know. all right. Page... All right. Just cut that part out. I'm gonna restart and just say, oh yeah, and, and in Final Fantasy in video Final games, Fantasy, so. or just, not necessarily Final Fantasy, but just any RPGs, like you get attached to characters, and sometimes they die off, and that's always an emotional response. Okay. Uh, I'm I'm not afraid of spoilers as long as I do it beforehand. So Final Fantasy VII spoilers. There's the whole Eris. Yeah, dying, Ares. Which, It's like one of the most memorable um, deaths in probably all of video gaming. But unfortunately, it also un- feels like like Titus the, dies at the end of. Final Fantasy X. Obviously, they had other content to bring him back later, but at the time, it felt pretty final. When it felt pretty final. And then existing. the afterwards cutscene, I was just like, what is he doing? He Is he, like, swimming in, like, some kind of far plane or something? I don't know where he is, like, because I... Like, there's this ending cutscene where he's, like, swimming up towards the camera, and it's just like, what the frick is this? Then it gets explained in the second game. See, that's the thing about that was, like, a lot of people consider Final Fantasy X-2, like, the narrative aspects of it actually kind of negating the, what what should have been considered a very ultimate sacrifice Yeah. at the end of Final Fantasy X. It kind of cheapened but the experience. I don't feel like it cheapened the experience at all, because in in actuality, I feel like it it showed it showed how Yuna had grown as a person instead. It just traded something out and said... This is how much she's willing to sacrifice to try and get somebody important back to her, you know, and and the, and it works out because within within the context of the universe they were able to do it, but you know it's just like the the rabbit hole keeps going deeper with that series because there was some stuff that got released after ten two that kind of further expands the story that even made some of the sacrifices that happened in ten two like like kind of muted like pointless and so it's just like and I, I can understand like in comparison to what final fantasy 10 2 did that kind of negated like titus's i keep calling him titus falling back on old habits titus's um yeah i i've, like, I've always realized there's that difference but i'm just a titus kind of guy yeah the thing is like <laughs> titus uh he gets the whole um his, his sacrifice gets kind of negated by what happens on 10 2 but yeah, then they, I remember they completely we had a conversation neg- oh, about it. Here's the thing is the the um after material that they made for like Final Fantasy like 102 like there's like a book called 102.5 and then there's like this uh audio drama that got released with the HD remaster that like takes place a couple years after 102. It completely negates almost every single thing you have done in the entire series of those two games. Like it's just like why they chose to do that is terrible, and I, I mean, it's cool that, like, they supposedly said they might be considering making a third game to, like, because they felt like there was some loose plot holes that kind of didn't get explained for how to, like, end things, 
and so they felt like they needed to tie it up if they really wanted to, but I don't know if that's ever going to happen, and from what I've read, I don't want this stuff to actually exist, so I kind of pretend it doesn't exist. I'm not going to tell you what it is, because it'll just ruin things for you. No, I think we already discussed um, it once. There. But Maybe. Um. Anyhow, oh man, I completely forgot. There was something I wanted to mention. Um. Oh yeah, dude, it was, it was the other thing. There, not as well widely appreciated because probably not as many people owned PSPs. Um, they had Final Fantasy Crisis Core, which yeah. it like I, that was a phenomenal game. I'm sorry, like I I wish more people had played that because Zach Fair, aka the uh, guy who was kind of like Cloud's progenitor and the guy he was pretending to be at this at, for the majority of Final Fantasy VII, um. He he's my favorite character in the entire series, to be honest, because like his and his story arc in that is actually um, really like you already know what's going to happen going into it because you see that Zack dies in Final Fantasy seven. So it's like going back here, like it's basically the story of how it happened. But even when it does happen, it's like I guess the thing is I was playing it and I didn't realize how attached I was going to get to the character Zack. So when the moment came, I really didn't want it to happen. Yeah. You know? And so it was just like almost like a miserable moment. It's just like, really? This has to happen. This is how it was always going to go down. And I knew it was how it was always going to go down, but I just didn't want it to happen. Yeah, it's <laughs> weird how you how you can do that to yourself. Like when you watch a movie or you watch a movie for a second time or something, it's like even the second time through and you already know something bad's going to happen. You just like still like have this weird like, oh, maybe, you know, you like have this weird hope that it won't. It's so weird. Yeah, or that's like it'll be like light, the blow will be lightened. But in actuality... The blow was made even worse by the fact that if when you play Final Fantasy Crisis Core, what they show you in Final Fantasy VII is literally the end of a huge long battle that you do. Literally, Zack takes on like an army of hundreds and hundreds of soldiers just trying to 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 protect Cloud, and then it's only the last three soldiers that kill him. You know, like because he's just so worn down by the end of it, and like I'm tearing up as I'm saying it. It's just like. It's so lame. He should have been able to make it through, but it just was too much. Let me just put it this way. If Zack Fair hadn't died, Final Fantasy VII would have played out completely differently because Zack was a one-man army. He was on the level of Sephiroth in terms of capabilities, like just by himself. Yeah, it's a... Um, yeah, like it, it, that it, was a very intriguing storyline. Like I never I never played Crisis Core, but like just the whole Final Fantasy VII story was like very... Uh, interesting and i think it's like also that it was like one of the first rpgs i played and everything but yeah there's just a lot well, of like it just felt like a big story that you didn't get to know everything about and here's the thing that i found so amazing that they did was that when they continued to build off of it with a couple extra like properties like advent children advent children was kind of not to me that's the weakest of the final fantasy 7 stories because it had to be told in a single movie and to be honest, that's why I made you rewatch um, the uh, Advent Children complete with me because, unfortunately, you probably didn't. The context kind of fell a little bit more dead on you with the whole moment where he, like, I don't know if you remember this, but there's a, the extended fight between him and Sephiroth, and then uh, there's that point where he just gets complete. Cloud gets completely battered. He's just getting stabbed the crap out of him. Yeah. And then when he gets thrown against the ground, like super hardcore, and he's like basically bleeding out. 
like there's that moment where he stands up and Zach's like, you know, you took him on before, you know, it's just like his memory in the live stream coming to cloud to talk to him for just a moment to reassure him that I, the first time I watched that, I was just like, <sighs> like, it's just like, anytime I see Zach, it's just like, oh man. <laughs> Cause That's like, funny. he's, a, he's my favorite character with cloud being a very close second, just because like the, I, I wish if they ever remade Final Fantasy VII, they would more accent, they would tie that in with Crisis Core and maybe even re-release Crisis Core alongside it, so that it gives yeah. a stronger context to just how profound Zach's effect was on Cloud as a person. Because I feel like that would add a a stronger nuance and um and and pathos to the uh, story, in my opinion. But yeah, no, just, yeah, Dirge I, of I, Cerberus, which I don't think you ever played either. Which no, is but a, that was about uh, PS2 game. Yeah, right? that one has a really great story, in my opinion, too. It explains it. It paints Hojo as the villain he's always been, and makes him basically like, basically Hojo has been the guy who's been like that stupid scientist. You remember Hojo, I'm assuming. Yeah, he like created Genova. Well, not created, or found Genova create... and like started experimenting with their cells on people. Yeah. And, like, it basically, it finally boils the whole conflict with Hojo to a head. Because Hojo is always kind of like a background antagonist in Seven. Yeah. He's also a background antagonist in Final Fantasy Crisis Core. And then he's not really mentioned at all in Advent Children. But he's put to the forefront as one of the main villains in this game, finally. Because it's just like, this dirtbag has been causing all of this to happen in the background. And finally, you can get revenge on him with Vincent. So it's, like, the best thing ever. That yeah. like with that understanding, it just made it such a good narrative payoff. Um, so I don't know, just like the whole compilation of Final Fantasy VII games, I feel like are a phenomenal series, even though Dirge of Cerberus wasn't that well received. Just I haven't played before Crisis though. That's a, like a cell phone game that came out only in Japan. Oh, um, yeah. Wow, we got off on that. Like we we really do have a lot of nostalgic moments in gaming. Certainly. Um. I've already discussed some of the other games that have kind of like changed my habits because we discussed a little bit how our habits changed with RPGs, but I was wondering if there's any other games that you have in your repertoire of games that you used to play that affected the way you look at games enough that you like look for stuff like that or changed what you wanted in gameplay elements. I, I'm just curious if there's any other stuff like that. By the way, I monologued again. <laughs> um... I I mean I don't know that's I mean it's easy to see how RPGs have changed my changed my expectations of just games in general but outside of that Yeah it's it's kind of hard to say it's like I think I, think, I can point I to think one there's that like you been a, I I think that pe- there's start there's started to be sort of a mastery of like creating like a fluid combat experience in combat oriented games mm-hmm. like you notice the string between certain games where it just feels like one's flowing and one's like a little bit more stop i don't know it's just yeah, I totally it's weird it's like it's such a nuanced thing that like it's probably taken all these years to like hone in on what exactly it is and some some companies do it well, and a lot of games are, do it really well. Like, like just I mean, that's part of what made playing Alan Wake so great. It's just the way that the combat moved 
just felt right. And it's like yeah, the dodging that mechanics and stuff. That doesn't put a lot of other games down that don't have that. But like just an example off the top of my head, like like the um, why can't I think of the name of these games right now? Um, Describe it. You know the ones where you have powers and they're shooters, but you have power in your other hand. They're all oh Bioshock. Yeah, Bioshock. I knew it was Bio something. Um, yeah, the Bioshock games just aren't fluid. Like when you fight, it just it's disjointed, and it's like it's still fun, but it just it's missing that element that like I come to like look for in combat oriented games where it's just like I'm flowing through this, and I feel like I've that I feel you like I'm good. I feel like emotion. I'm effect I'm effective. I feel like I'm like a one man army. I don't feel so like I'm cheap I'm gonna... shotting from around the corner or like. Mm-hmm. finding hiding places, you know, or, you know, it's like, I don't know. I, so I'm, I'm doing a poor I'm job of describing up two it because I don't know how to say it. No, but. I'm, I'm going to bring up two games that I think, like, exemplify what I think you're talking about pretty well. Um, the first one be, and one's in a negative way and then one's in a positive way. What you're talking about is kind of like what happens when you're doing the main part of, of Mirror's Edge, which is predominantly you're trying to move through the environment. The problem is that the combat in that game is so clunky that, by comparison, it ruins the flow of the what you would actually consider the action, in my opinion, in that game. Yep. Is that, like, because it doesn't control well, it kind of, it's like you, you're, you're running, you're running, you've got this flow, you're moving, you're moving, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, i got to fight this guy. I'm going to stop in front of him, wait for a couple seconds to try and activate a, um, a, a, s- a counter. Yeah, like a counter. A steel or something like that. And it's just, it's not, it's not intuitive. And that's why I, I look at Mirror's Edge 2 as being like, hopefully, the stereotypical refinement in the second game of the mechanics into a better experience. It looks like in Mirror's Edge, they're trying to figure out a way to make it so that the camera and everything, even though it's still going to be working in first person, makes the combat as much a part of your navigation as running around. Yeah, because like that, like there's moves that I've seen where like you jump at an enemy and you grab them with your legs and flip them over your head so that their head smashes the ground, and then you immediately stand up and punch their visor where it breaks their visor. Then immediately she runs and slides underneath one. It's like if you can seamlessly make everything feel like intuitive and like your character's just doing it, then you suddenly feel like a bad A, and that's really yeah, what you need and that's what you get. Like, like that. when they when they create a game where it flows, you can get that feeling of like feeling skilled, whether it's true or not. Like every like it doesn't even really mean you're skilled because probably everyone who's playing it is having the same experience. So you're probably no better than the next guy, but it makes you feel like you're. But doing it's just well. exhilarating. It's exhilarating. The, it's yeah, like it's feeling like, like you've actually had some input that created those awesome actions that you've only seen in movies. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, it's just the flow element is something that I've seen recently and that isn't always necessarily a part of every game. But it's like but it's certain games have it and like I look for games that will recreate that flow experience. And that's one thing that I've also noticed seems like it's starting to happen like it's happened a bit in like Last of Us, although I haven't played The Last of Us that much. But Uncharted Four, which hasn't come out yet, the gameplay video I watched to that looks insane. The amount of momentum your character is supposed to be having during combat—it's like taking the um, 
you know, that's the that's the thing I've always had kind of a problem with with Tomb Raider and uh, like the new Tomb Raider and and the and the um, Uncharted games is that it doesn't feel like combat. Like it's seamless that you transition the transition from combat to navigation. Like it's just like okay, now I, now that I've killed everything, I can start moving into it immediately. But like they're not one and the same. It's not navigation along with combat. And like like for example, in Tomb Raider, it's like I climb up a wall and then when I'm hanging off a, a ledge, anytime I see people, I want to be able to pull my pistol out over the ledge and shoot the guy that's in front of me. That's what yeah. I want to do, but I'm not allowed to do it. Uh-huh. And, and there's no, like, seamless movement between that. But Uncharted 4, it looks insane because, like, what, what the guy who was doing the gameplay video was doing is he was in this combat scenario where you're having to move through an area while there's guys chasing you down. And so he's jumping on cliffs, moving around to try and get a better vantage point by, like, doing hopping around, like, non Like, here's the thing is, like, most Uncharted games have, like, a linear path that you can kind of see that's like, oh, that's how I need to get through the environment. Well, when you get into these battle sequences, you just, there's, like, a litany of ledges to, like, climb around on and just different, like, places to run through and hide, bushes to run into to, like, roll into to hide and stuff like that. There's just so much, like, movement that you can do that, it like, completely delineates these paths and says, okay, you see that ledge? That reaches around the entire like crag that you're looking at so you can move around the entire crag to get a better vantage point around the back of this guy. And then on top of that, he has this grappling hook that at this one scene, I need to show you this. I should send you the video. But he throws this in one fluid motion. The guy who's playing the game throws this grappling hook out, runs towards the ledge to like get some momentum where kind of like the Mission Impossible 3 thing where he's like jumping off the building to swing. Mm-hmm. He jumps, runs off the side, grabs the hook, swings down in like like he runs out right toward towards his right away from the hook where it's placed jumps out to get like to take the slack away then swings down goes up over over this guy's head detaches the grappling hook then drops down on the guy punches him on top of the head so it knocks the okay you lost me completely oh Oh, I speaking of interruptions to flow, the flow of that story was completely interrupted by technical difficulties. Exactly. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you now. Okay, but what I was saying is he gets that hook, he pulls it out while he's, while he's swinging over top of a guy, pulls it out, and then like falls down, punches the, the, the guy who's shooting at him on top of the head, starts getting shot at by another dude, and while the... the um while the machine gun's still in the air where the guy, like, got punched in the head and, like, he kind of, like, his arms flew up and let go of the gun, Nathan just catches the gun and immediately, like, moves around and starts shooting the guy that's up on the cliff nearby. It's just so seamless. I was just like, that was awesome. I I can't wait to do stuff like that in that game. I should send you the video. That's cool. It's just, uh, like... It, 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 like, my describing it doesn't do its service. It doesn't do it enough service. That's just how it is. Yeah. Um, how about this? What, what, what? This is something I didn't ask Nathan because basically I've been f- feeding him good games to play. What's the worst game you can remember playing? And I think I might have an idea, but... <laughs> and I also have some ideas of my own. I've played but a I think lot of really dumb I would games. <laughs> Tanner. Starshot. I didn't dislike Starshot that much. What? It's a bad game, but it's I've played worse by far. 
Are you kidding? No, yeah. Like, I, I couldn't I get past the first level. That's why I had to watch you play it was because it just like the, the double jump and grab the rocket thing was so unintuitive. That <laughs> no, yeah. The, the controls were a mess in that game, but um, I mean, I don't know. You've played a lot that you didn't like recently. I yeah, exactly. It's like I've but played I, a lot I of games. I don't think those are... I don't think those are like objectively bad games. They're just ones that you, the style of the gameplay doesn't fit what you want. You know, I feel like Star Shot's objectively just a straight up bad game. Poorly. Designed. I don't know. I thought it was enjoyable, but it it, it oh, was frustrating psychotic. in that you couldn't make it. It just didn't control the way it, it purported to. Hmm. Um. Very hit and miss, and that's you can't have that in a platformer. You know. I guess we've always nah. been pretty good about avoiding buying crappy games for the most part. It's just that sometimes you kind of run across that one that somebody gives you or... Oh, that's yeah, another I mean... one. I remember when Allie traded Pikmin the, the, on, the, on the GameCube, the, the Pikmin game she owned, for yeah. a Batman game from somebody. That Batman that game That thing sucked. was terrible. Yep. That game was so bad. That was one of the that like that's still one of my biggest gaming regrets is that we that Ali we let Ali make that trade. Yeah. Now don't get me wrong, I wasn't that favorable for Pikmin. Yeah, Pikmin I wasn't do not great like either, the way but... Pikmin's set up. Like Pikmin's gameplay elements are not con- it's another one of those games kind of like Dishonored where the the gameplay elements are not well suited for the general design. Like you have a time limit and you're supposed to explore. Yeah. It's like you have 30 days or you die and you have to explore. It's like that's a terrible idea. That's so dumb. I don't know if there's ever like a section that you unlock, but I want to explore now. I don't want to have to wait for my exploration to happen later. I don't want to explore later when I finish the game. I want to explore to power up and find interesting things. It's just like it was so counterintuitive in my mind. Yeah, I didn't enjoy it much. still, still better than Batman. (laughs) Yeah. Still better than Batman. That Batman game sucked. Anyways, this has been Garrett, also known as Gellister. And, and Tandir, also known as Tanner. Dang it! You did it again, but yeah, the thing is, it's fine. It's my modus operandi. It's fine because it kind of makes like this nice little, uh, it makes a, it makes a, a, a Xbox handle sandwich. Like, the, the real names are the bread, and then the meat's in the middle. And then when yeah. we add Nathan, it becomes like a Big Mac. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how I came up with that. But anyways, this has been Party Chat. This was a lot longer than the one I did with Nathan, so I apologize for that, Tanner. I promised you it wouldn't be over 115. And we, yeah, I, I just need, yeah, I just need to get going because I told Kelly right. I was going to be done a while ago. I'm sorry. Well, yeah, fine. I'll talk to you later, okay? Yeah, yeah. And talk we will to see you guys next time. All right, see you guys next time. Oh, crap. I just realized something. I got to go upstairs. Okay. One My potatoes. <laughs> There's a sound bite that will probably play. <laughs> Gary's gonna save that and put it, assign it to a key on his keyboard, so he can just throw it in at random times. My potatoes. Sorry, that was a little more pop singer style. I don't know if any of this stuff will make it in, so I'm just jabbering, trying to come up with funny jokes. <laughs> you guys ready for a funny joke? I need to riff off of Garrett so I don't have any. Sorry. Not really a monologue type, type of guy.
gosh dang it. <laughs> uh, what color are your potatoes? What? What color are your potatoes? My, my, my potatoes are still brown. Um, are they mashed or? <laughs> no, they're, they're, I just boiled them. Oh, so the skin's brown. Yeah, the skin's still on them. Inside's still kind of creamy white. I haven't cut them open or anything. I'm just. I, I, I came okay. Back. So what was what was potentially a problem? Can you really boil a potato to death? No, no the potential problem was that I was leaving a the thing boiling oh, the potato on. So therefore, the bottom sides are probably. <laughs> oh, you're blackened. burning down your house. I fail to no, see no, why no, that's no, a big no, deal. No, 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 not burning down my house. Just, just creating an opportunity for that to happen in case, like a rogue, a rogue piece of tissue paper catches <laughs> on fire. Then somehow, like my my ceiling, which somehow ends up like doused in gasoline, just like the, the How tissue can we paper sleep when the stove's on fire. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Just like I went to go buy toilet paper, and I was like, "I'll get these potatoes when I come back." And then when I got back, I saw your text, so I came down to start setting up, and I just everything fell onto the rug. It was, nice, it was ridiculous. I feel bad now. Anyways, so that, that's a creative way to make were, mashed potatoes. Just let them fall onto the rug, and then just step <laughs> on. Them. That, that's not. Ooh, yeah. Do you know whose hair rug. that is? Because that's not mine, and I'm pretty sure that's not the dog's. <laughs> not that I have a dog. I'm just saying, like, like most of the time when when you're cooking something and a hair gets in it, you're pretty sure it's like, oh, it's your hair. But if it falls on the floor, it could be anybody's. Ew. <laughs> <laughs>